Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. Obviously, transforming my life, nothing will do more to determine these attorneys um, are often the ones in smaller markets are often. And then I'm like, my God, this person we knew died. Uh, this is not obviously the most the friendliest topic to, to cover, but it is a good topic. It's about self-improvement and it's about how to deal with a lot of things that affect all attorneys. And, and then it shows what happens if you don't address those things. And this is a good thing for law students that don't know what you're uh, necessarily getting into and how you need to protect yourself. And it's also good for existing attorneys and also senior attorneys, because it's not just people that commit suicide, it's people that give up on their legal careers or suffer in silence and don't know how to deal with things or obsess with whatever it is, whether it's people not being nice to you or how difficult it is in a law firm or rejection or um, overwork and all these kind of things that affect lawyers. So this is an important topic and I'm glad to be covering it. I'm not sure that this is the type of topic where a lot of people may not be ready for it, and which is okay. But it, it definitely is going to, hopefully you'll get a lot out of it and it will help you and it will you'll improve because of it. I may also um, do a little bit of a presentation about what to do in the current economy, because uh, I'll just say a few things about it, because this is not um, a good legal market for most practice areas, and uh, it's not a good legal market in large cities and um, with large firms at the moment. So I think um, it's important to talk a little bit about that today as well, and then how you can conduct your job search and the right method as well. And when I say the right method, I just mean how you will how you will do things in terms of finding jobs and and certainly it's not an attempt to sell you on BCG. It's just uh, showing you what we do and, and, and how you should conduct your search. Like it or not, your self-perception and the way you think about yourself in the world will basically create happiness, but also affect the type of life you live as well. Just a few things about me and how I came to that conclusion is I different points in my life followed and then actually met and then ended up working with people like Tony Robbins and, and people that have written best-selling books about business and, and, and then other very successful people that wrote things and did the kind of stuff I'm doing, but generally. And, and I watched how they did it and how they thought about themselves. And I also watched, and then I modeled that and, and, with that sort of information and because I had confidence in myself and it, it has ended up obviously transforming my life. And I realized how important that is. Now, it's something that got me into a great college. It's, and then it's something that helped me get into law school. Then it's something that ended up uh, making me start this business. And in a large sense, because I was in law firms and I didn't know um, I was not able to think positively about myself. So that is how, just because of the environment and how a lot of people um, become successful. Uh, I also read books like Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, which is one I recommend. And there's just a lot of ways that you can think about yourself differently and put good thoughts in your mind. And if you do that while you're alive, what's going to happen is the quality of your life's going to improve while you're alive. The how long you live as a person is going to improve your happiness and your family's happiness 
and and those you're around will all benefit from from you and um, from association with you. And this is important stuff. It's really some of the most important conclusions anybody can reach uh, about their life. And your personal psychology and nothing will do more to determine how happy you are than the way you think about and process the world around you. Just real briefly, just to touch on someone like Tony Robbins. He was this overweight, unhappy, and there's nothing wrong with being overweight. I'm not judging him for that, but unsuccessful guy living in a 500 square foot apartment and our studio apartment in Venice, California, not really having a great life. And he really turned that around. He he started reading, who was it? It was, anyway, I, I'll tell you the name. And if I don't tell you right now, I'll come back. But he started reading someone that was a kind of a self-improvement person at that time. And part of the self-improvement that he was exposed to that really changed everything was just saying over and over again to himself, these incantations, I'm a valuable person. I'm responsible for everything that happens in my life. And literally just sitting around and chanting these. He also, I think he got kicked out of this 500 square foot apartment and he decided to live in the basement of his friend's house with washer and dryers and everything and and took all this poster board and wrote up all these types of sayings on these poster boards and just put them around all his entire, this entire basement and just in big letters, this big poster boards. And that is really telling because once he started doing that, um, everything changed. And, and even to this day, like he does, I was uh, getting on a a private plane with him years ago. And we were getting ready to go to something in Australia. And and he was just sitting there just chanting things before while he was walking on the tarmac. And like, I, I can help millions of people. I have all this sort of thing. So just think about that, how these successful people that are happy and stuff, how they do everything they can to consistently monitor and keep their their self-esteem up and how much that means. You can do it a lot of ways. You can do it by reading. You can do it by following people. You can do it by um, associating with powerful people, which is what most power, successful and happy people. You can do it by surrounding yourself. Some people, they go to church every week or others, they go to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings when they've done other things or they go to, or they go to therapy or they, they, sometimes people will try to do drugs to get that, but that usually doesn't work. The Self-esteem is extremely important. And, and so what happens to a lot of people inside of law firms is because of the work you're doing and, and everything, people start judging themselves harsh, harshly and their self-esteem suffers a lot. That's not good. And, and, and law firms, I'm sorry, but it's, it can be very tough. You can thrive in that environment if you understand the demands and get into it and put yourself in the right environment. Or you can't. I was in two separate law firms, one where almost everyone was happy and the other where almost everyone was miserable. I quit the law because the one where, you know, the one where everyone was happy had a policy that if you left to go to another firm, you can't go back. Um, but the, and then the one that was terrible was just the most awful place in the world. I can't even um, tell you uh, how bad it was. It was bad for everybody. All the partners were leaving, all the associates were leaving, the, everyone that was there was unhappy. I mean, it, not everyone. I, well, yeah, pretty much everyone. So it makes people judge yourself harshly. Now you have an option, um, which I think is a good one. You can, you have the ability and, and should to surround yourself with people. And that means law firms. And that means different types of 
people that are emotionally just opening something people that are emotionally helping you to surround you if you want or not helping i'm sorry to surround yourself with people that are generating feelings of inferiority that are also likely to feel badly about themselves. When you're in a big New York law firm or a big LA firm, and there's very successful people there and people that are doing very well and, and competitive, and that, that makes a lot of people feel very insecure. And they drop out of the law completely because they think if it's like this everywhere, that's what I should do. Now, I just want to tell you a little bit about what I do at BCG to help people with this. If you are a candidate at BCG and, and if you are in a practice area that you're stable in and, and it's preferred with one practice area, then yeah, then I'm interested in talking to you. But most attorneys aren't. But, or if you're in a small market and do things, it's probably okay too. But what we do at BCG is it scares people off, but we believe in them, but often they don't believe in themselves. We send them lots of jobs. We send them lots of firms to approve. We do all this stuff and just keep fighting for them because we believe in them. And we know, and this is not a sales thing because it's something you can actually do yourself. We know that the more places you apply to and the more places you approach, the more likely you are to find an environment that works for you because Every law firm is different. Every law firm you may like. Every law firm has different personalities. Every law firm will make you feel good about yourself or badly about yourself. It's interesting when, and I got to get to this uh, seminar, so about try not to digress too much, but it's very interesting when people work in smaller markets and or at firms and big markets where they find people that like them. Uh, those attorneys typically stay with the practice of law. It's the negative feelings of inferiority and, and things that the people are escaping. Your environment and your ability to stay practicing law and be happy and stay alive is going to be affected by your environment to a massive extent. Sometimes law firms that are large can have a profound effect on your self-esteem. Other times law firms that are, excuse me, I'm assuming, other times law firms that are small can have a profound effect on your self-esteem. Law firms that don't pay well, law firms with toxic people, all that stuff can affect your self-esteem. And lawyers are often the best lawyers uh, at big firms, but not always. And they typically have a lot of them have a bad way of thinking about the world. They're, they have to be paranoid of clients, of other attorneys, of all this sort of stuff. And, and they are, and that ends up hurting a lot of them. And, and they have very unhappy families and very unhappy lives. And, and I've been no firms where every single person has been divorced. Wow, a partner. And so why is this serious for attorneys? Now, this is just a, a, a statistic, but if you're a lawyer, you're 3.6 times more likely to suffer from retention than non-lawyers. And I don't know what the percentage is, but it's something like, it's huge. I don't want to quote it because I could be wrong, but I think it's like over 20% of people in the country are on um, antidepressants. Wow. Lawyers are 3.6 times more likely to be depressed. And there's only a million five hundred thousand lawyers in the United States. Think about it. That's a lot of people. And attorneys are motivated by the highest levels of achievement. And that uh, level of achievement means that uh, oftentimes your ego is controlling everything. You, you can become incredibly unhappy. You can become alienated to others around you. 
and and your ego is basically constantly judging how you're doing compared to others. And most law firms will be people that are doing a lot better. And you'll also see people that became business people that, that are doing better or went into other careers and are doing better and making more money or happier or more successful because people get into different things. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. So this, because the law firm is so much about ego and a lot of the people that get into them are doing it for the ego, a lot of them end up very unhappy and, and depressed. And, and then because a lot of them have had a lot of success in their lives, they've gone to worked hard in college. They've sometimes have been the first person or they did it because their family was a lawyer or they, they, they just went to law school because they were completely motivated by achievement and doing well, which is the majority of attorneys and people that go to law school, a lot of attorneys will use that failure to achieve the results they want as a reason to be unhappy and depressed. I mean, this is just you know how it works. And I'm sorry. I, I wish it wasn't that way. Other professions are stressful too. Being a dentist is one of the most stressful professions for whatever reason. There's a lot of unhappy people in different professions. So this is just a question like when depressed attorneys been depressed and can get through it. And it's weird. I, it's wow. Um, we have, I don't know what it is, but it's over half a million attorneys that have contacted our company looking for help out of the 1.5 or 6 million in the country. And, and so that's a lot. And at this point, we don't even advertise because I don't think we do because there's so many of them. But what happens is we, we email and send out job alerts and all this stuff. And we're always getting these responses, not every month, but quite a, maybe every several every two weeks or every sometimes it's every week. And someone, I'm their wife or I'm their father, checking their email account. Can you please close it because they died or they and and then you get to the bottom of that and you find out that something bad happened, which is unfortunate. This is just um, this is attorneys that I know. Give me one second. I'm having this. It's probably okay. But this week, when I wrote this, I found another attorney that I know that died and killed themselves. And then, the, and then when I wrote this piece, it was the second I'd known in the um, past few months that this had happened to. And then the first is like I said, the first person I learned of was someone who lived with next door neighbor house in college. And and then the most recent one was someone that I went to high school with. You can imagine that's quite a few people that I'm running into. And these are just people that, that I knew personally and was friends with at some point in time. These people, when I knew them before they became attorneys, they were some of the most motivated, 
happy and enthusiastic and people I met that I knew of. They also were people that had done, were very happy and enthusiastic about becoming lawyers. But I think when they did, the first disappointment is probably not getting into a top law school, then probably even though they did really well in college, probably not getting the, you know, to the best law school, then probably not doing as well as they wanted to in, in law school. Or one of them actually did very well, went to a great law school, got a job at a big firm, and the other got a big firm but in a smaller market. So most of them found themselves coming up short. And what I think is that the reason all this happened and happened was because these attorneys were trying to play at a very high level and because of the people they were around and the feedback they were getting, they made them feel poorly about themselves and also their own lives. And think about this. And when an attorney throws himself into the largest law firms and the largest cities, a lot of things can change in terms of their psychology and happiness from these environments. I see things all the time. I see one woman I knew, one of her eyes exploded or part of it because part of her eye, I think her eyelid or something because she'd been up for three days. And I knew another, I knew, I seem to hear about lots of people getting out of the practice of law or, or not because of like these immune disorders. And they're always in like large cities. I don't, whatever, but that just seems too much of a coincidence because um, a lot of attorneys are not um, working in those largest cities. And so that, from my perspective, is, is part of the problem. But so what happens is because of these stresses, a lot of attorneys become much more likely. But I've been speaking with attorneys for 20 years. I speak with them in large firms, in small firms, in firms in all sorts of cities. And in, in almost every case, when I encounter attorneys in the less smaller markets, the less competitive markets, the markets that don't seem uh, as much the typical law firm. What happens is these attorneys um, are often, the ones in smaller markets are often actually much more, uh, much happier and, and, and less likely to be unhappy like the attorneys in the largest market. So I think the rule is that the more outwardly successful an attorney is, the happier they're likely to be. That's just really, I think, how it works. And, and unfortunately, that is, is what I've seen. Just give me a second here. So th there's a little bit about the psychology of attorneys, and it's most pronounced, I think, in the largest markets. And what kind of has happened is the law has been somewhat industrialized. And, and what that means is that the, the, there's more assembly line type work done on firms. There's, there's more levels of management. There's more levels of attorneys. And, and, and the quality of work is much higher and billing rates are the highest, the amount of hours you need to bill is the highest, the qualifications of the attorneys around you are the highest, and the attorneys are really expected to be the best. The hours are the highest, the jars are hardest to get, the competition to become a partner and get ahead is often impossible, but sometimes it is possible. It's very difficult. Your coworkers are competing for very few partner spots or for work. So they're pretty much out to get you a lot of the times, even if you don't realize it, you're probably out to get certain people as well. It's kind of survival of the fittest. And, and because these firms are so competitive and so much is going on, partners and everyone knows you're more likely to just be passing through and never going to be a part of really the firm in the long run. And so the larger the firm, many times, not all of them, there's some incredible large law firms that are very good to work in and 
not this way, but the, the law firm becomes almost like a corporation. What you read about people getting fired from corporations every day and CEOs resigning, having issues and or mass layoffs and all this sort of stuff. And the large law firm uh, kind of starts imitating its clients, which are tend to be large clients and they're large companies and have a certain way of doing things. And that's actually how in-house count, that's how Cravath grew as a law firm. They were one of the first people to represent IBM and people like that. So this, our willing nature of law firms can destroy your life force because you're fighting, but nothing good is happening. You're not getting any positive reinforcement. And and it, the people that put themselves into these most competitive environments, again, have often been playing this competitive game. And um, so this recent attorney, I know another one that's not the most recent, died about seven months ago. He was at a in, in his mid-40s. And again, I, I looked up to see how he was doing and at his current firm, because I like to follow up with all my candidates and see if we become partners and all, you know, all that kind of stuff, or, or just see how that's going on. And and then he ended up for reasons I couldn't understand as a solo practitioner, which means he probably lost his job or something. And then when I looked him up on the state bar website of Florida, I found out that he'd been disbarred for stealing $90,000 from a few clients. And then two days after his death, he was then um, disbarred in Michigan for, for being for what happened to him uh, for the same offense in Florida. He'd obviously um, had a decision made about his dis- disbarment literally after he died. Uh, again, I did some research. I'm like, how did this guy you know die? And and I found a found a, the first thing I found was like a remembrance page or something on a on the, and doing a Google search. And then I'm like, my God, this person we knew died. And I went to a school with you know, my graduating class and maybe you know, 30 kid, 30 men. So I contacted some of my high school classmates and all of them were surprised. And these are people that he was in constant contact with. They didn't know he was dead. He left five attorney or um, five children that were from ages three to 12. And obviously, they're going to grow up without a father. And, and so when you're stressed and when you're having problems in a law firm, even if you don't kill yourself, or, but you're going to have collateral damage. And, and this particular guy was literally one of the happiest and fun person that I could imagine. But he did have drug problems uh, in the past. And, and I'm sure that may have relapsed. And then when he was in the law firm, I don't know. And, and maybe he stole the $90,000 from his clients to get drugs and not get caught and got caught. So I have no idea how he died, but but I'm pretty sure it was a suicide. And that's what people intimated that I talked to, but I don't know after they found out. I've seen lots of people die and they're often, they seem not big funerals. I don't know why that is, but when you go to these remembrance pages, if you see popular, well-known people, there's tons and tons of comments and things about how wonderful the person was. And when you see these pages, sometimes there's one or two or none. And it's, wow. And why is that? It's probably because they prioritize work over creating important relationships, staying caught up on existing relationships and being uh, like lawyers are that maybe not as pleasant as they could be. And, And that's how it works, I think. People that are attorneys often have, not all attorneys, of course, but a lot of other attorneys are taking care of people's legal problems, but something's missing along the way. So it's your billing hours or you're spending all this time away from home or now with remote work, not as much, but you know, you're competing with your colleagues, you're constantly worrying about getting work sometimes, or if you have work too much, then you worry about getting clients, then 
a lot of attorneys and it's not actually it's not as common as it used to be but a lot of them will numb their self and their feelings to get through with buying things or sex or substances or other types of achievement pills and but the idea is that because of what they're working all the time and they don't have the ability to form the most meaningful relationships and stuff or keep in touch with people they have to resort to that kind of stuff the idea is that this high school colleague that i just mentioned i think is something that fed his weakness and his problems and he always wanted to be loved and liked and admired and and i believe he maybe went into the profession cuz he thought that the, the prestige and the money and the power or whatever would help him but he still had a hold inside his soul and and but probably because this particular guy i remember had to live with his grandparents in high school because his parents were experiencing or one of them was experiencing drug problems and the other was missing meaning just not around he knew it was live and not around so he'd grown up and and then ended up getting left with his grandparents and and i think he was probably in pain from that and maybe even though he got happier later we had to go to a private boarding school not in florida and and i doubt this was healthy he didn't feel loved by his parents he didn't by by his grandparents that were in the same town but has the world reflecting back to you uh you know that this made him feel uh, not alone when the school we attended um, was all about achievement it was about being the very best student um the very best athlete and the best at everything a lot of kids in my class i don't know what it was but at least 25% of them went to ivy league or ivy league level schools but meaning maybe not one of the ivy schools on the east coast but also places like duke and stanford and places like that and some people were raised to, to be the best at everything cuz they're surrounded by people that are like that it's like that in uh, a lot of schools and and it's like that in very good public schools it's just you you surround yourself with people that that you achieve with and and then you set your you set your barometer to what the people around you are doing meaning if people from your school are becoming very successful then you crave that attention and you also try to post on facebook or call up people and tell them or send things to your 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 school which i've never done but i it's always fun reading to get in different magazines and things that they publish about what people in the class are doing so they become also most people that i meet from that school all became doctors lawyers or mbas and that sort of thing and That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.